0: Richard Radio begins in three, two, one.
1: We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So
2: I see this giant angel and I ask him his name. It's a financial company and I realize this
1: angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans. And it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio.
1: Would you like to hear what a snake sounds like? I meditate. On the word,
0: day and night, and whatever I do, prosper.
1: This is Wretched Radio. That is the voice of the now dead health and wealth prosperity preacher known as TB Joshua. If you don't live below the equator, you probably never heard the name of this false teacher from Nigeria who amassed tens of millions of dollars by bilking people, poor people in Nigeria by making promises The Bible doesn't offer that you'll have perfect health, that God will make you wealthy. And yet this man mysteriously died just a couple of years ago at the age of 57 of undisclosed causes. Well, that's the strangest thing because a preacher... Heal thyself, but we know that these men are deceived and deceiving others, and you might be asking, why would we bring up a subject of a false teacher who's no longer terrorizing people in Nigeria and around the globe, but because of the BBC, a brand new documentary that dives deep into what has been obvious and known to anybody who actually watches the guy preach. And I gotta tell you something, watching him preach Oh, these preening, pompous, premeditated, false preachers. They just, uh, okay, he's walking around the stage. You need to applaud for me. That's the cue. Oh, yeah, yeah, better applaud. He walks around the huge platform. For me,
0: I meditate on the way they and mine. And whatever I do, prosper
1: in other words if you want to be prosperous like me look at me and do what i say unfortunately people died because of this man as you will soon hear courtesy of the bbc people were made poorer by this man people were increasing those who might have been saved wobbled in their faith and those who were simply checking out christianity repulsed by a man who preened and posed and promised lies is what they, what they actually were. And he died mysteriously because, hey, that's going to undermine the cred of any prosperity, health, wealth preacher. His wife took over the ministry, of course. But now the BBC is exposing what John the Baptist described as a snake. A viper. Now, these days in evangelical Christianity, most people would blanch at Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist scorched the scribes and the Pharisees who came out from Jerusalem to see the show, to find out what's going on out here. And John the Baptist greeted them with a flamethrower. Who told you to come out here? You brood of vipers. hi oh I think it was an allusion to Genesis 3, the serpentine snake known as Satan. these, These were their offspring. And that's exactly what Jesus called them in his lengthy intercourse, the discourse that took place in John for chapters, berating them as sons of the devil. Your father is the devil. Now, why such fierce language? Well, let's consider what a snake does. With a few exceptions, most of us go, most of us are afraid. I remember when we moved from above the Mason Dixon line to the south. You hear about a new region, this is what you can expect. Nobody told us about the allergies. Thank you very much. But people did warn us about the spiders and the snakes, whether Jim Stafford was involved in the conversation or not. Irrelevant because there's a lot of spiders and snakes here. And honestly, it made it sound like you could turn any corner in downtown Atlanta and be bitten by something. We just all have kind of an innate about snakes. Why? Because they poison and and the death that that toxic poison causes is torturous. It's a miserable way to go. They poison and they kill. And that's why John the Baptist called them snakes. No, I mean a lot of evangelicals would frankly Thomas Jefferson, Matthew chapter three. Whoa, we don't want to call people that. Well, we do want to be careful when it comes to name calling, but we do have permission from John the Baptist, from Jesus, and from the Apostle Paul to rightly call names mostly toward, I think the rule is false teachers. I, I don't see name-calling of individuals who are just tripping along, following a false teacher like T.B. Joshua, but the Bible is 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 not shy about calling things as they are. False teachers are snakes. They're deceivers. They kill people, and that is precisely what the BBC uncovered. Prepare to go into the... Whew, world of TB Joshua, the Nigerian televangelist. How did he do what he did? They uncovered six ways this guy deceived people into giving them money. And if you are following another person who is promising you healing, you need to know they are up to the same chicanery. There's nothing different. Justin Peters has exposed this regularly. He's gone to these healing crusades. And the modus operandi of multimillionaire TB Joshua, the same as any of them, uh, it's it's all a staged show and people are getting hurt by this. By the way, Justin Peters is going to be joining us in a couple of weeks here in the ATL. We're actually going to do a, well, so far it's 13 <laughs> a lecture series, 13 lectures on discernment, how to go about the business of identifying and speaking biblically about these people. By the way, Does speaking biblically about a false teacher always mean calling them a name like Viper? No, but we do have permission to use it when applicable. When you hear what went on at this ministry, uh, it was called the Synagogue Church of All Nations, SCOEN. Number one, they had what they called the emergency department responsible for making the so-called miracles look real. Hey, I remember, this is, this is, now some people, they see, they just don't know how to read the Bible. In, in the book of Philippians, Paul had an emergency department, and Jesus, well, that's what the disciples really were, his emergency department, to make sure that the miracles actually looked like miracles when they weren't. This is where the sick who came to be healed would be screened. And the team would decide who should be filmed and prayed for by the man of God, as he liked to be called. Any, This is a quote. Most of these are quotes from the people who worked inside of the ministry. Any cancerous situation, they send them away. Then people who had normal open wounds that can heal, they bring them in to present it as cancer. Lies. Only a select group of trusted disciples were allowed to work in the emergency department. See, there I had it, Jimmy. The disciples were the emergency department. I knew I knew how to read my Bible. They would write placards for each follower to hold, detailing their made up or exaggerated ailment. When it was time to meet the man of God, they would stand in line in front of the cameras to supposedly be healed. But guess what else was involved with this? show. Drugs. Every foreign visitor who came to the church to be healed had to fill out a medical report detailing their illness and medication they were currently prescribed. Why? Because TB Joshua would tell everybody, if you've got enough faith, top, stop taking your medications. And they knew the liability involved in that. Without their knowledge, they would put those drugs in their fruit drinks. huh? And they were urged to drink the cocktail that had been blessed by Joshua. Visitors that were there would not become unwell, was the idea. Just keep giving them their medication while they're on campus so that they don't fall sick and think that we're what we are, charlatans. And you've got to be asking the question right now, did these people not know what they were doing? As you will hear from the BBC expose, they really thought they were doing good. They were deceived and deceiving others. 1990s, AIDS had reached epidemic levels in sub Saharan Africa. And Joshua told the, the folks who had AIDS to stop taking their medication when they return home. Quote, I know people who died because they didn't take their medicine. Mm-hmm. A volunteer said, It was the promise that you could supernaturally receive whatever healing you wanted. Stop taking your medication and just believe liars. Brainwashing. Number three, the same volunteer said she never had any doubts. I thought we were seeing miracles. I literally couldn't believe what I was seeing. I saw someone walk out of a wheelchair. Well, there's a reason for that. The BBC exposed they had lots of wheelchairs. Whether you needed one or not, you got into it. (laughs) So this charlatan would have people get out of a wheelchair, even though they didn't need one in the first place. Hey, there's a miracle of Todd White proportions. Please note in Matthew chapter four, Jesus, he chooses the disciples. He's preaching about the kingdom of God, teaching people about the kingdom of heaven and doing what? Healing people. And it lists all kinds of organic illnesses. I mean, the big stuff. No smoke and mirrors, real signs and wonders. TB Joshua, total fraud this is wretched radio so you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally well then we'll let paul washer convince you. You have
2: to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised.
1: Would you please join TMAI, the Masters Academy International in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world.
2: Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I want to speak to those of you who regularly purchase from Wretched.org. Here's something I do want you to take some time and think over. While we appreciate you and everyone who purchases from the Wretched store, what if you could go from being a loyal customer to someone on the inside, an exclusive member? Here's what I mean by that. Think about going to Starbucks. You go to Starbucks every single morning. You know the people there. They love you. They cherish you. They value you. But what if you went one day from being just a loyal customer to someone who knew the secret menu? We want you in the inner circle to help us create content that reaches millions all over the world. There's no secret handshakes to this inner circle, just a heart for the gospel and a passion for sharing it. So if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would certainly appreciate it and welcome you into the club. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then
1: saw the sonograms be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads freeborn.org wretched preborn.org wretched important dates in christian history
0: 1735. The Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards stirs the American colonies with many conversions and individual returns to heartfelt faith. Because of this awakening, a number of divinity schools were founded, including Princeton, Dartmouth, and Rutgers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Meditate on the Word of God. They are mine. No matter how unsteady, your life appears to be. <laughs> Meditate on the Word. Todd. Day and night. Todd. And whatever <laughs> you
1: do <laughs> you <will laughs> <prosper>. What, Jimmy? <laughs> so sorry, sorry, I was and just listening to TB Joshua. Last... What a snooze. What a charlatan. What a showman. And you and I do well to stoke some righteous indignation toward false teachers because they're snakes who poison and hurt people. And that is precisely what the BBC expose on one TV Joshua, one of the richest televangelists in the world has exposed. The guy, it was just a liar. He didn't care about people. They were merchandise. Hey, wait a second. That's exactly how the Bible describes the modus operandi of the false teacher. They make merchandise out of people. And there's something wrong with the evangelical community that doesn't get a little bit incensed about this, that doesn't sound a little bit more like John the Baptist, who called false teachers a brood of vipers. Gotta tell you, if you read Matthew chapter three, which was the subject of the sermon that we preached on on Sunday at Alpharetta Bible Church, if you read it carefully and dive into what John the Baptist was actually saying to these Jewish leaders, whoa. Okay, Jimmy, let me just give you an idea of, of what John the Baptist was saying. Okay. You people from Tennessee are dead on the inside. Mm. He kind of hits a little, a little bit. Look close. Well, yeah, well, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. It was. It was that pointed. Now he may have been pointing to rocks in the Judean wilderness when he said, "You." I'm paraphrasing. You think that you're children of Abraham, God could raise up from these stones, children of Abraham? Wow, you Jews, you religious Jews, you're dead on the inside. You are as innate as the stones are. It could have also been an allusion to Gentiles, us, because we're dead. We're 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 inert, but he's he's going to raise us up. Which, by the way, had already been revealed in the Gospel of Matthew. And what? Don't forget that the Magi were Gentiles, who were the first to greet the newborn King. They were not Jewish people. That's Matthew's another. That's just another little detail that should have really provoked the Jews to go, and what, what, what's the deal with the Gentiles? Which is the mystery revealed that God is going to save all nations. That was his plan all along. And Jesus, even traveling through Samaria, we see that in Matthew chapter 4, that, that yes, he came for the children of Israel. But because they were not prepared, their paths were crooked. They didn't receive him. And John the Baptist was attempting to get them to ask Jesus into their heart. I'm sorry, that is wrong. It actually says to repent is what the command was. Turn from your sins as they confessed them and were being baptized. And John the Baptist then blistered the scribes and Pharisees who came out to Check out what was happening with this madman in the Judean wilderness. Well, what's what's happening now? Why are people going out to see him and not to see us, you brood of vipers? You you dead stones. And you and I can't just overlook that and say, well, John the Baptist was kind of a wild-eyed, fiery crazy. If you think John the Baptist was bold, Jesus was bolder still. What John the Baptist alluded to, Jesus opened up in vivid descriptors of false teachers. And then Paul does likewise. And don't forget about Jude. Don't forget about 2 Peter and dealing with false teachers. I'm not suggesting that our entire lives should be dedicated to just hacking on false teachers. But I am encouraging us to stop seeing them and just going, yeah, there's, there's another one. They're bad for people. As nice as they appear, they hurt people. How many people have drained the inheritance that they had amassed for their children and grandchildren because of the deception of a false teacher? How many people were crushed spiritually because they went to a healing revival only to be left behind the bleachers where nobody could see them because this guy can heal as just as just as well as Jimmy can drain a thirty foot basketball shot, I think uh, that's is that I, how you say it? Drain a thirty foot basketball. I, I'd be careful. I'd be careful with that, Todd. You're pretty good at horse, are you?
2: <laughs> Back in the day.
1: Back in the day, they hurt people. They deceive people. The BBC revealing how they go about doing what they do. You should know. They bribe people. Some disciples allege they were charged with finding people who needed money to pretend to be sick. When they went outside of Nigeria with the TB Joshua crusade, they'd go to the poor parts of the city looking for people in poverty. We'd say, quote, we need you to just act out this particular scene and we'll pay you. Wow. We put them into hotels, got them cleaned up. They came, did what they did. We gave them their money and moved on. Before the service, they would tell Joshua which rose they had planted these people and what clothes they were wearing so he would know how to perform his supposed miracles, all deception. And this guy knew about it, and he too was deceived. That's usually the the, the ponderance that we have. Are these prosperity people genuine? Yeah, they really, they think that they're doing good. They They really buy it, but they're deceived also number five how these hacks get away with it fake medical certificates well this is interesting because those of us who have been critical of ministries like tv joshua's said prove it come on prove it matthew chapter 4 as if matthew to help us understand what these leg lengtheners are doing describes jesus his fame went out throughout all syria And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. Those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them because he could. He healed organic illnesses instantaneously. As we've been hearing from the BBC, these people, they go through a lot of effort to deceive a lot of people. In 2000, Nigerian journalist, I can't pronounce the name, reported these medical certificates were fake. They lie because we've asked, produce them. Let's, Here's Here's the challenge to the false teacher who claims that they can heal people. Cool. Let's do it. We will happily gather together people who are genuinely sick with, you know, x-rays and MRIs. And then we'll then you can do your healing voodoo, and then we'll do the x-ray and the MRI again. And let's see how you did. They won't do it. They just they just won't, because they can't do it. Jesus could, Jesus did. Number six, video manipulation. Editing in post. The miracles were filmed, edited to make it look like the supposed healing had happened instantaneously. Footage was spliced together to show, (laughs) hey, look, it happened right away. But according to the people on the inside, sometimes those films were shot months or even a year apart because he can't heal, period, let alone instantaneously, let alone organic illnesses. You know, okay, all right. Has anything good come out of Todd White's ministry? Yeah, a lot of of people now have level legs because that's, the extent of the miracle eh, he performs. Anything that they did not want viewers to see was cut away. It was all organized. Uh, chances are, are pretty high that anybody listening to this here Wretched Radio program are not under the deception of a Benny Hinn, a Ken Copeland, et cetera. But you probably know somebody who is. Maybe a loved one. I can't I can't tell you how many believers I meet. I'm sure Justin Peters, it's far more. Their their parents, they they just uh, they are just totally under the sway of these mesmerizers, because that's what they are. This preaching which I mock, this is a show. Just- your business,
0: your your life, your career, your marriage. You see, when something is like that you cannot enjoy. If my life, if I continue working like this, I cannot enjoy myself. So this is how business, some, many business
1: today. He's kind of preening and dancing. I'm not exactly sure why, but it puts people under their sway. They speak slowly and then pause as if they have just spoken from the top of the mountain, all designed to hoodwink people. They are vipers. And the evangelical community would do well to become more like John the Baptist, to become more like Paul, and to become more like Jesus. Got to point them out. Remember, we still do it with humility. We don't have anything that hasn't been given to us. But if we love people, if we love the truth, if we love God, and if we love even false teachers, we'll call them as they are. This is Wretched Radio.
2: And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I am Jimmy Hicks, and we start with a story that I've already told you, but I didn't tell you correctly. Thanks to some very keen ears from one of our listeners. Last week, I told you about a New Jersey teacher that decided enough is enough. Mistakenly said New Jersey teacher. This was a teacher from Connecticut. And with 35 years of a teaching experience under his belt, he filed a federal lawsuit January the 3rd, challenging a mandatory training that he and his colleagues received on white privilege and critical race theory. He argues the training targeted certain people, including himself, as a straight white Christian male. And I'm going to say the school board here is going to have a really hard time debating that. On a more somber note, the persistent threat of Boko Haram reared its ugly head recently again in northeastern Nigeria. The group known for its brutal tactics attacked two villages leaving 15 christians dead the attack of course is part of the long-standing conflict in the region aiming to establish islamic law across nigeria and as we tell you so frequently please make sure that you continue to pray daily for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world Switching gears now to a story that sounds like it's straight out of a bizarre reality show. An 11-year-old girl in Colorado found herself in an unexpected situation during a school trip. The controversy began when the young girl, known only as D.W., was assigned to share a bed with a male student who, of course, identifies as transgender. The school, which is part of the Jefferson County Public School District, operated under a policy allowing transgender students to share accommodations with those of their gender identity. However, DW's parents saw otherwise. Of course they did. They were represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom and argued that the policy violates their religious beliefs, their parental rights, the students' privacy, and safety. Yeah, that's probably what should be considered paramount. Now, up north to our friends in Canada, where taxpayers might be in for a bit of a surprise, South Shore Sexual Health, which is a Nova Scotia tax funded organization, has been handing out adult products to minors with no parental permission. They offer a wide range of services, including the Transformation Closet, which assists transgender individuals with gender-affirming items. Their policy on informed consent for minors without parental involvement has sparked a debate on youth sexual health services and the role of government funding. I'm going to say that probably falls at a pretty close number two. Government funding? Yeah, I'm not so concerned about that as much as I am going around the parents. That, I believe, should be the main focus of the debate. And that has been today's Wretched News break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. Second Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Written about one year later. Since Paul had last written, some false apostles had snuck in and began to question Paul's authority. There are many who claim authority in the church, but those called by Christ will bear the marks of Christ, which are humility and reliance upon Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: There's good news and bad news. Half of American preachers want to quit this is wretched radio you say what well, was that the bad or the good news absolutely in some instances good there are many pastors who are not qualified to fill a pulpit they do not meet the criteria that are clearly laid out for us titus 1 first timothy 2 first timothy 3 and if these fellows and fellowettes retire Don't mean to sound all cold-hearted and conservative like I actually am, but I wouldn't shed a tear over that. Having said that, the bad news is a lot of good pastors are thinking about quitting, and that's bad. A recent survey has revealed over half of pastors, American clergy, seriously considered quitting. To those who are false teachers, to those who are not qualified, I say, great, have fun in the secular world. I hope it's successful for you. But to those faithful pastors who are feeling it, we would do well to study this study, to ask the question, am I contributing in any way to the discontent of my godly pastor? These men, they love the sheep. When you meet a genuine shepherd, I don't care how big the church is. They smell like the sheep. They weep for the sheep. They rescue the sheep. And they're devastated by the sheep. Because sometimes sheep can be pretty awful toward the shepherd. And we want to make sure we're not contributing to good men leaving the ministry. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? The study was done by the Hartford Institute for Religion Research. 53% of religious leaders have seriously considered leaving pastoral ministry at least once since 2020. Hey, this is not uncommon. Whatever ones, I hate to use the word profession is, there can be days that are a beating and you go, I wonder if I should keep any other opportunity. I think I'll go to the LinkedIn. By the way, Jimmy, I don't want to brag. Uh-huh. Are you getting popular? Six searches last week on the LinkedIn, which I'm not even on. (laughs) How do they get my name? How do they get all this information? I didn't even subscribe. I wouldn't even know how to subscribe to the LinkedIn. <laughs> but apparently I am because I keep getting updates from that. I didn't give them my email. How did they get that? And then how did they link me up with people that I've known years ago and haven't seen or spoken to? You should connect with Phil. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. What? How did they know? <laughs> I'm not not suggesting they're listening. I'm just saying somehow they're able to amass an awful lot of information. Sometimes you can feel that way with really any job. But you and I, dear sheep, we should be doing everything we can to return the favor to the shepherd who loves us. Everything that we can. And no doubt you have the spiritual gift of being critical of your pastor because we all do, don't we? Isn't that the easiest conversation, (laughs) easiest and potentially most sinful conversation to have on the drive home and talking about our pastor, whatever the critique happens to be? We need to go to the opposite end. Now, remember, I'm talking about sound guys. I'm talking about biblical preachers. These, These aren't hoodwinkers. These are these are guys. Nope, they don't preach like R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Steve Lawson. They they just they they're not. They don't have the preaching gifting to that degree. But that sermon, fumbling and bumbling as it might be, was prepared just for you, just for you. And I have been experiencing this. It's this has really been kind of kind of a real practical lesson season for me. I think I mentioned last week many times here over the years on wretched radio we've said the pastor who neglects studying for the for the Sunday sermon putting in the hours is robbing himself and robbing the congregation of godliness. We've said that I've been experiencing that. <laughs> Because when you are buried in a text, and not only is your pastor buried in this week's text, most likely he's buried several weeks out, and it's just ruminating. And it's just running around his brain all the time. And it's good. It's good. I like it. It's good. It's good. And it's it's because I've been preaching regularly. And by the way, I've also noticed, and this is something that we've said Countless times here that when your pastor's writing the sermon for Sunday, he's writing it for you. That's exactly right. Because as I sit in my chair at the kitchen table, which seems to have become my post at home, thank you, Mrs. Friel, for letting me spend so much time reading and sitting at my computer preparing for Sunday morning. I'm thinking about the folks in our church. I'm thinking about them. Now, does that mean that my understanding of the needs of people that I know in our church does that cause me to interpret the text a particular way? No, but it does cause me to say if this text can be applied because the need in this area is great, then then I'm going to do that because. I've got a pretty good idea already. We've only been at this now for three weeks, four weeks, maybe. We started on Christmas Eve day on the morning and evening. Yeah, that's right. We did Sunday morning service on Sunday morning, despite the fact that it was Christmas Eve. We did it on New Year's too, because apparently some churches didn't. Boing, I don't get that. And after four weeks, I, 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 I hear struggles. I hear them. And if the text can be a balm, then then I'm going to try to bring that because I'm thinking about those to whom I have the absolute privilege of presenting the word of God. That's what your pastor's doing right now. If he's studying for next Sunday, he's thinking about you. He is. He's aware of what you're up to. Don't think that that he isn't. And he knows the undercurrents of your church. He knows the trends. He goes to the grocery store and he knows that prices are ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay. Last night we were going to do something sort of special for dinner. Not really, but sort of special. So we go to the Kroger and we wanted, we got some, some sliced Turkey, which isn't cheap these days. We had a loaf of bread at home. We had the mayonnaise. We had jam. Don't, don't question our food choices none of which by the way were gluten free he said proudly and so but we we wanted to kind of you know like a turkey sandwich is well you know it's kind of utilitarian we thought let's get some nice cheese we'll get some brie and i'll put it in the george foreman and it'll melt and be gooey and it'll make something pretty average kind of special ha 6 dollars and 99 cents for a little wheel of brie cheese six Ninety nine. That's it. And it wasn't. It wasn't Costco size. It was this little <laughs> rinky dink thing of bread. And it's like, are you kidding? Seven dollars, really? Seven dollars for a Kroger brand manufactured piece of cheese? Building back broker, love it, just love it. Your pastor knows that prices are high for you too, and he's thinking about you. We don't want to do anything that contributes to his desire to potentially skedaddle. The statistic 53% think about leaving pastoral ministry way higher than 2021 37%. 44% of pastors said they considered leaving their congregations at least once, more than double reported in 2021. Only a third have never considered leaving. And the average clergy person, 59 years old, Clergy is dying out in America. It's not just the Anglican communion, the Episcopal. No, it's clergy are getting older, average age 59. And the older the pastor, interestingly, the more they're inclined to actually quit. What are some of the reasons? People seem to be more demanding of services. the church does not exist to provide you services. The church exists to provide all of us a space in which to use our gifts to one another, one another. Yep, you will be taken care of there. But you're also going to be asked to take care of others. This is kind of that consumer mentality. How many programs do they have? What are the activities for the kids? How many field trips? What are the? What's the music like? Do you have enough daycare? Whatever it is. They expect services, and it puts pressure on the pastor. This, 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 this is causing a lot of pastors to go, I think I want to skedaddle, including an unwillingness of the congregation to change to meet new challenges. They, they, they hit the buzzsaw. This is the way we've always done it. Now, if you've always done it that way because it's biblical, you've got a case to be made. If it's based on tradition, the Bible gives us permission to change with the times, not truth, but the way that we go about the business of organizing and ministering, falling congregational vitality, so they're just feeling it's kind of, uh, and diminishing attendance. Please, don't contribute to your pastor's desire to scoot. Encourage the man; he doesn't get encouraged enough. That. You think the brie prices are expensive? They're expensive for your pastor too. They're not making enough to even cover the bills and they regularly have to work. I get it. Sometimes they have to be, but we want to do everything we can to not contribute to good guys leaving. This is Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity
2: of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st and we together can make a difference
1: i would say the tomorrow clubs is a wonderful ministry kids are getting saved like crazy not just in eastern europe but also in africa and it's so efficient i was just with paul and cindy marty and i asked and it said in in american currency how much does it cost to have a kid come to a tomorrow club four times a month so every single week what what's the what does it take to make that happen ready a buck one dollar That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, per month
2: okay so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take there's another wall there's another obstacle and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out but then imagine a different scenario you're still inside that maze but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying nope that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly, it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us struggle with, and it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford names of god
0: we learn a lot about god from the names given to him in scripture one name is jehovah rohi the lord is my shepherd a good shepherd protects directs provides and cares for his sheep Jesus called himself the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: One more thing. Stop complaining. This is Wretched Radio, a brand new survey revealing 53% of American clergy have considered saying, I'm out of here. And one of the major contributing factors is carping complaining like the Jews in the wilderness to the pastor. This isn't right. We should be doing it like that. And whilst this particular study that was done by the Hartford Institute for Religion Research, they didn't say exactly what the complaints are, but I've got a sneaking suspicion. One of the complaints that is on the rise is coming from... A growing number of evangelicals who are agitated, aren't we all frankly, who are agitated at the crumbling of society that we are moving from a nation that many of us experienced and downright dug decades ago. And and they're feeling like, we got to do something about this. And so political pundits, they stoke those flames. I'm telling you, they most political conservative talk and most conservative articles—they are a bellows. They just—I can't tell you how many articles that I read, or at least start to read, and then I have to start going. Wait, 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 wait! When are you going to get to the point here? Uh, I was reading an article last night. Okay, it was—it was about. Okay, this is this is a perfectly good subject. This was about. Whether Christians should be spending money at secular universities, because we're we, we we all watched what was going on at Harvard. We're watching these protests at university campuses. We saw the protest over this last weekend in Washington. People who have never even considered reading any history on on the land of Palestine. Did you see that school in Brooklyn, by the way? There was a map in the school that was put there by like the Arab something or another or the people for Palestine. It was just missing one country in the Middle East, Israel. There's a shocker where we see what's going on in these campuses. And we. every parent needs to ask the question, should we be sending our kids there? And I think that every parent should answer that question. This particular article very well found it in all of its statistical information, basically said, no, you you can't. You shouldn't do that. You got to go to a Christian university. Personally, I don't think that's my place to tell you how to raise your kids in that regard. Nevertheless, the headline was something about Christians need to stop sending their kids to secular universities. It was at least four, if not five pages into the article when he finally explained that statement. The lead was buried, and the first four pages simply rehearsed the scenes that we've all seen a hundred times. Talking about the plagiarism stuff, uh, talking about the marches, like, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. And what is it doing? Bellows. And I read articles like that regularly. It's nothing but the same stuff. Going back to Barack Obama, and just, yep, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm just, yeah, these idiots. And I feel that, and it stokes sometimes some sinful anger. And none of us are immune to that. And so some people then bring that energy into the church to tell pastor, you got to do something. You got to do more preaching. On the other side of the coin, you've got people going, um, you gotta stop preaching about that stuff so much, and you got to be preaching about this. Now, to be certain, there are times when we can approach a pastor, we are given permission, 1 Timothy 5, to respectfully approach our pastor as a father uh, to say, hey, just kind of note, that's cool, but that's not what I'm describing. It's it's telling the guy, hey, you gotta be doing more. Why aren't you doing more of this? Underneath the less than veiled threat of if you don't start, I'm leaving. I suspect that's a lot of the complaining that is going on right now. And I, I don't think that it's being helped by the folks who are promoting dominionism and theodicy. And uh, to use the Christian nationalism term, because uh, it means so bad much to so many different degrees. Um, but I, I think some of that is coming into the church. And I think it's causing difficulty for the pastor who's being told what to do. And when he doesn't do it the way that they believe that it should be done, because they're stoked. And I get it. I I really do get it. Um, but the pastor's feeling it. And we don't want good guys leaving. Believe me, you don't want your dear pastor leaving you. You don't want that. Because if if a pastor leaves a church, who's godly, who's rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, like the way that they train pastors to do internationally at the Masters Academy International, which you can actually sponsor at wretched.org slash pastor. Hi, I'm Ben Shapiro. (laughs) You got a guy like that. You got gold. And just like the couple that gets divorced, without working through issues. Do you know what they're gonna bring into the second marriage? Which divorce statistics reflect? They're gonna bring in the same stuff and that's what you'll do too. If you don't learn how to love and support and encourage your pastor, uh, then then guess what? You're gonna get a new pastor and in short order, once the shine wears off, you're gonna be doing the same, you're gonna be feeling the same way. Watched a little bit of a football game over the weekend. It was, we caught it in the fourth quarter. It was 24-23 Detroit over Los Angeles. Was it the Chargers or the Rams? I, I, it, it was the Rams. <laughs> oh, because of the Stafford guy. Yes. Who was from Detroit. Right. Is now at the... Okay, got yep. it. Yep. Oh, it would look like it's like, okay, well, this looks like it's actually a decent game and I can take about a half a quarter of football. That's about my max. And the commentators, I think Chris Collinsworth, is that the fellow? Yes. That gravely voice. I think he's from Cincinnati. His Uh picture was all over the Cincinnati Open. He was talking about how the quarterback for Detroit came to them, and he he readily admitted he got trashed when he was at the Rams, that he just felt demoralized, Mm -hmm. that he just had no confidence. And Collinsworth, now there's commentary, but nevertheless – He was commenting that the coach really built him up, that helped him with his confidence. And he said, and you're seeing that today. This is a confident guy. When he stepped on the field, you saw a captain. This guy was in, in command because of the nurturing and the support and the encouragement of the coach. That's the role we need to be playing with our pastors. Find something good. Look for the positive send the man a text, that's the least we can do, isn't it? Well, you said something one time years ago. You may not
2: even remember saying this, but it stuck with me. And I don't remember what story or article we were talking about, but you said, if you don't encourage your pastor, you haven't earned the right to complain. That's true. And, and I fully agree with I said with
1: that? It. Yeah, you did. I must have plagiarized. <laughs> hey, that's not a problem anymore. It's true. Furthermore, if you're not a member, gotta zip, zip, zip it. Not serving and complaining, mm, nope. Church doesn't work that way. It's it's fascinating that so many of us in our culture we're we're longing for community, and yet the work that is required to be in a relationship, no, you just do not get to constantly milk the cow in a relationship. We, we've got to nurture these things. We've got to put in time. You've got to be volunteering. You've got to go to Bible study. You, you've got to, hey, the light bulb is burned out. Uh, I'm going to the closet to get a new bulb. That, that's participating in the life of church. And I think with that then, if you will, you buy some cred to be able to criticize, but please note another rule. If you criticize, then you're the one to fix it. God has alerted you to it. Get on it. Not I get to fix something here. Because this is this is a little slice of the kingdom of heaven on earth, the assembling of the servants of the king. I get to do these things. Without complaining from the study, the number of older people who are projecting onto me their unprocessed grief at all of the changes they have experienced. I think that's talking about the COVID business, the CRT business, the collapse of our society. They complain constantly, one pastor said. No matter what I do, someone will be unhappy. Your church that you're maybe unhappy with. Please note, I'm not talking about false teaching. I'm not talking about um, weak preaching per se. But the things that you see that maybe are causing you to go, I need to get out of here, or that are causing you to just dump all over your pastor, your church will be better if you and I learn how to stuff it and instead see it as an opportunity to help it. So you know, rather than chipping away, believe me, I, I, I'm bent that direction. I think we all are. It's just easy to, yeah, you know, rarely do any of us give like a, oh, that meal from start to finish was amazing. But did you see the spots on the glasses? We you know, we just always can find something. I need to fight that. I need to stuff that. And I don't need to just stop doing a bad thing. I need to put on, I need to start doing a good thing. You got a good pastor? Do that man, do your congregation and do yourself a favor. Love him, honor him and tell him. And until tomorrow, go serve your King.